Hello, and thank you for joining us for another podcast with the Gospel Rescue Mission. Hey, you know, sometimes we get a chance to have a conversation with somebody that you just think, man, I wish we would have recorded that conversation. It was so good. Well, today's one of those days. Today, I got the opportunity to speak to Denise Loridich, and um, she has just got one of the best stories that I have heard in a long time, a story of, of heartbreak and redemption um, and he tells about her father who was homeless and all of that and we just wanted to allow you to um, to hear the story and uh, hopefully you find it moving and, uh, and it blesses your day let's listen in my name is Denise um, I was um, born and raised in Grants Pass and had a really great life um, a mother and a father um, we had a home, a little five-acre farm out on Williams Highway, and um, everything was great. Lots of animals to play with. Um, my father was um, a rancher, so we always had cattle coming through and horses and pigs and chickens and dogs and cats, and every day it was like I got to go with him to go get a new animal, and it was just, it was a really great life. Um, at about five years old, my mother and father started having a lot of problems. Um, my dad was drinking a lot and um, one day we had somebody knock on our door and said that dad had sold the house. Um, so needless to say, I was five years old and we were packing up and we were moving out and dad had become a very heavy drinker at that time and um, so over the next few years going through this and his life spiraling um, further and further into alcoholism um, there was many times that I saw my dad on the road um, we would pass him in the car or he would be hitchhiking on the road and as a little girl when you see that it's very much affects you because there's nothing you can do about it. Sure. Um, I wanted to help him. I wanted I wanted to bring him home. Why can't he sleep with us? Why can't he be with us? Um, we would drop him off up at the freeway, and he would hitchhike. Um, he was he moved away, and he was living in Roseburg, um, in a little place there. But we would drop him off, and I would watch him hitchhike off, and and that was. A big burden for me to bear at that young age because I, I was helpless and I couldn't help him. Um, alcoholism took his life. He was voted most likely to succeed out of high school. Um, he was a, a cattleman, like I said before, and he could go to a pasture of land and see like a whole herd of cows and he would be able to tell them the weight of all those cows within five pounds. I mean, he was just very gifted, very talented man. When he sobered up, as he would do, you know, often, off and on throughout his life, he would sober up for small periods of time, and he would always, he would get right back on his feet, he would um, have money in his pocket, he would have cars and a house, and then it would happen again and he would fall apart again and drink and he'd lose it all and be back on the street and 
this happened over and over and over and until I was 17. Um, he lived here in Grants Pass most of my childhood life. Uh, growing up, when I wanted to see him, I would walk downtown and I would say, Dad, where's my dad? Everybody knew who I was because they knew my dad. Um, and they would tell me, oh, he's in the alley over there on G Street, or I seen him sleep in here, or, you know, they would tell me where he was. And that's where I would find him. And he was mine. He was my dad. So, um, every time I found him, he was always happy to see me. And, um, When he would sober up, he would come to the mission. And they um, would always bring him back in. And he was, when he was sober, he was a big part of the mission. And um, when he was sober, he would give, you know, greatly to the mission to, to, for the benefit of it because they helped him so much through, through his life. And, so, can I pause you for a second? Yes. So, you can. so, so here's a. I want to stop you just for a brief second to talk about. You know, it's it's interesting to to, and it's the other side of the human connection that I think a listener may just completely not recognize that that there's a family person attached to that person that they see on the street. You know, to imagine that somebody goes and somebody finds that person, goes and finds them on the street and says, Dad or Mom. And there's this rejoicing and connection, even though it's not what either of them want. You know, the, the homeless person is embarrassed to be seen that way. And the maybe the 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 not homeless family member is maybe a little embarrassed that they're that way, but that love for them is just way outweighs any of that, you know, right? And and so for you to go, I mean, you were when you go down and say, "Hey, where's my dad?" Everybody knew who you, everybody you had done it so frequently that everybody knew who your dad was and knew who you were, and. There were, it, was, it was not frightening anymore. You'd done it enough times. You'd been that, down that road enough times that it was just another, it was kind of an extension of your family in a sense, an extension of now your new reality. But this person, you know, it's easy to drive by somebody on the street and just see them as a creature, you know, or, or some, you know, we, we come up with imaginary names for them, you know, whether it's tweaker or meth head or, or you know, druggy or, or drunk or bum. You know, we used to use, you know, hobo and bum and, and, and stuff like that, you know, years ago. But, but, um, but now this, but this kind of language, it's just, it's demeaning, but I think what it does is it allows us, it's, it's part of the way that we morally disengage from the person to stop seeing them as somebody that's a part of, it's, it's our community. We're obligated as, as a community to connect to them morally unless we can make them less than human. 
And if we make them less than human, then we're capable as humans of doing all kinds of evil, right? We, we, can, we can beat them up and rob them. We can do all kinds of things. We can, this is exactly what Nazi soldiers did to disengage themselves from Jewish people and still feel like they could live a moral, normal life because, well, these people were just cattle to them. You know, they, they, they told themselves that they weren't really human. They were, they were simply animals or something ridiculous. And we do the same thing in a subtle way and don't even realize that your friends and mine, people that we know and love, maybe even, you know, our family members sometimes will, will you hear them when we're driving down the street and go, oh, look at that bum. Get out of my way, you bum, you know, or whatever. And, and they make these comments and, yeah, and, and totally in, in their whole thing, they don't realize that what they're doing is they're intentionally, morally disengaging from the person, from a human being, somebody that God has, you know, made in his image. That's right. an amazing thing. Right. So at what, how old were you when you learned that something had happened to your dad. And tell us what, what went on there. So after years of him being on the street, I, I became pregnant at a young age and I moved away to San Diego and I had my baby there. Um, and I was 17 and I, I brought my little girl to Grant's Pass and he at that point was sober and he had an apartment at that time and he got to meet her and that was the last time I got to see him and she was about one years old so I was um, I think 17 and um, shortly after that I was looking out my window in San Diego and I seen my mom coming <clears throat> and I thought oh something's wrong and she knocked on the door and she said, your, your dad is gone. And it was really hard for me because I always hoped and knew that someday he would be sober and be able to live a productive life and be a grandfather and be a father that he desired to be um, through the alcoholism. Um, he was he was beat to death by another homeless man here in Grants Pass. Um, they didn't find him for uh, five days later. So he he was beat and he laid there for um, I think two days before he actually died. And then um, so that was really hard. Um, I came to Grants Pass and I was young. Uh, I didn't have any money, and I wanted to bury him with with dignity, with some class. He was mine. My dad, the state told me that because he was homeless, that they would take care of it and they would put him in a plywood, a plywood casket um, that would be free for him, and I, I just couldn't do that. And so I just prayed and believed God that he was going to make this possible to be able to bury him with dignity as he deserved. So the Lord walked through that with me, and he provided everything to, um, we got to use whole and whole. They gave me 
a huge discount and let me make payments forever, $50 a month. <laughs> and they um, said, you know, they finally called and said, you know, you've been so faithful at paying this $50 a month. We're going to write off the rest of the balance and we're going to send you your $50 back. And I was just like, oh, praise the Lord, because I that was my diaper money. Like, I really needed that money. But um, in that too, I wanted to also bury him at Hillcrest. And people were saying, oh, you can't do that. It's too expensive. And you know, you, you don't have any money. And so I just said, well, let me just go there and check it out. And the guy that came out to meet with me, he said, well, by the way, who is your dad? And I said, Les Toothman. And he said, um, really, he said he was my high or my college roommate. He was my roommate in college. And he said, I'm going to give you everything half off and you can make payments. So wow. <laughs> everything that I prayed for um, came to pass for me for that time. Wow. And the Lord just came through time and time again. And I was able to, be to bury my dad at, at what I think is the best place in town. And yeah. he had a beautiful funeral. In fact, the funeral had to, they opened the doors. It was, people were lined up outside. It was standing room only. And they had to come with the cop cars and block off the streets because there was so many people there. Wow. He knew everybody from, a, you know, the judges all the way down to the homeless. And he sure. was respected in the community because he, he was a man that, he deserved respect, sure. Although sure. he lived his life in that way, yeah. Um, so at some point in time, um, you you learn you 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 had this. Um, your father is, has been killed by another homeless man, and. Um, Let's fast forward so that that homeless man went to prison. Um, and um, do you know how long he served in prison? Do you know how long his, his prison sentence was? He served two, about two and a half years in prison. Right. He was right. let out on good behavior. Okay. And he was charged with manslaughter. Right. So... Um, some time elapses and some time passes, and um, you being this, you know, vibrant, wanting to be used by the Lord, you know, servant of the Lord in, in, in all these things, um, get an opportunity at some point in time to come and do what would normally come natural to you anyways, which is just to come and, hey, they're gonna, it's Thanksgiving time. We're gonna serve a meal for homeless people and we're gonna do this through the Gospel Rescue Mission. And, um, and you get the opportunity to do this, but you learn something on that day Tell me a little bit about that story. How that, how that, how much time had elapsed by the time that you're getting ready to, to, to go and possibly serve at the Gospel Rescue Mission Thanksgiving banquet. 
It was a while. It was about maybe 10 years after yeah. my dad had passed. Um, and after this man had gotten out of prison, I would see him often at the store or downtown. Uh, just, I would see him a lot and it would upset me. Sure. Um, I, it would ruin my day and yeah. I would cry and I would shake and I, you know, it would, it was too much. Um, but I believe that the Lord kept putting him in front of me because I needed to deal with this. I yeah. needed to get past it. Um, I've always had a heart for the mission. I've always had a heart for the homeless because this is the way I was raised. It's familiar to me. It, sure. It's comfortable to me. They're my family. And I um, so I volunteered at the mission that, that year to do Thanksgiving. I can tell you that was the best Thanksgiving I have ever had. Wow. It, it blessed me to do that so much. Wow. Um, just the joy that you get from serving others is it's the joy of the Lord. For There's sure. no other explanation. For sure. I, I um, tell people I tell people often who are struggling with depression, anxiety, you know, really, you know, really stuck in their own rut, often go serve. Go find somebody to serve. Go find somebody to take care of. Absolutely. You want to get out of that rut. If you want to break that cycle, start making life not about you, but about others. And you'll be amazed how much you just you stop focusing on the the stuff your that focus you're in. Shifts. Exactly, your focus shifts. And so and so you did that and I did that. Yeah. And that was a, a really great Thanksgiving one to remember. But um, so I was there and the man that did this was there also and he was um, there to eat and I had to serve him. He was my table. Um, what, but what's going through your head at that moment? I just knew it was time because I had it had been so long and I had seen him so many times and the Lord was dealing with my heart that I needed to deal with this that I was holding against him. Sure. And so I just went up to his table before it was time to eat and I said, I just want you to know that I forgive you, but most of all, God forgives you. And we were all able to, at that point, it was just pressure, like a pressure release. Um, I served his meal. I was happy to serve him. Um, that next year, the director of the mission at that time had called and said, you don't know what you did for his life. He said he um, left the mission. He enrolled in college. He got his own place, and he's doing really, really well. Um, and that made me feel great, but the greater part of that was it released me of those feelings that I was having towards him, and it broke that chain that bound me to that. You know, I think that I think that forgiveness is it's it. What's one of the most awesome things about forgiveness is when we we fight it because we think that person doesn't deserve it, and and. Plenty of times that's perfectly true, but the reason that we need to forgive is because of what it does for us. You know, I mean that just the, that that we can let go of the hurt and the pain right. and, and the suffering that we're carrying, 
in in all of that and God just wants to set us free right. and so being yeah. able to just let it go how powerful is that and uh, and so you were able to do that I'm, that must have been just a felt like a huge burden I think of the story of uh, of Christian and Pilgrim's Progress when all of a sudden the backpack comes off and he's just <gasps> And, and he's free because he's no longer carrying his burden anymore, right. you know, and, and that's such a great thing. That must have been just amazing. It feels really good yeah. to not carry that anymore. And you know what? I haven't seen him since. Yeah. So I know that he was put there because it, I had to get over it. I had to deal with it. And um, it released him. I don't know what he's doing. I pray that he's doing good. I know my father is in heaven. Um I know that he's at peace. He's no longer suffering. Um, but my heart is for the mission and yeah. the people that are here. And I'm thankful that I got to go through all that and see all that and be able to have the heart that I have because there is not a person that I pass on the street that I don't double take. Um, I look in my rearview mirror. I go around the block. I oftentimes pick them up. My husband gets very upset with me. <laughs> Um, but, but I feel like the Lord has given me, um, the courage to do so, the strength to do so, the knowledge to know when to do it and not when to do it. He, he has told me, turn around and pick that person up sure. and I have done it. Um, there was one time I was driving by a, a homeless boy. He was sitting on his bags and he was hunched over crying and he had the phone to his ear and the Lord told me to turn around and pick him up. I was headed to the bus stop to pick up my brother. I don't normally head to the bus stop to pick up my brother. It just happened to be that that day I was. So I turned around to pick him up and he gladly got in the car, loaded up his stuff and I said, where, where do I need to take you? And he said, I'm going to the Greyhound bus stop. And I said, really? Well, I'm headed there now. You're going that yes. way. Yeah. And he said, I was on the phone with my mom and she was praying with me when you passed that somebody would, or that the Lord would send somebody across my path to take me to the bus station. Wow. wow. So I just really feel like that these people that are on the street, they're not trash. Yeah. Um, they're somebody's mother, brother, sister, son, yeah. father, daughter. Um, they have family that cares about them, that's praying for them, that has hope for them and we are a community that needs to come together and realize that this is our future um, these these people they're broken and there's a reason behind their brokenness there's a story to every situation yeah. and um, it's very eminent that we we realize what's going on and not have our hearts so hardened, um, but that we can all look inside ourselves and, and um, realize that, wow, these people belong. There's yeah. a reason, there's a purpose for their life. God created them for great yeah. things and they're broken, but we're not and we can help. Yeah, you know, it, it's so, I, everything that you're saying is just like firing off a thousand thoughts in in my mind and and um and i think of you know I'm, I'm thinking of the person maybe listening right now that is 
you know, sitting in on this conversation. And, and this is so cool that we had the opportunity to sit and record this because I have so many really great conversations with people that I never get to record. <laughs> and so I got to tell people about it and it just doesn't sound the same. Um, so I really appreciate you coming in and, and taking the time to do that and have this conversation with us. Um, and I, and I think, you know, I think about that person listening and I'm, and I go, maybe there's, maybe there's people there that, that, uh, are listening for this podcast for the first time. They're hearing something about the mission for the first time. Maybe they're, maybe they're only considering these things for the first time. I mean, you have their attention. We're riding shotgun with them in a the car or we're on their podcast app while they're, you know, running a treadmill or something in the gym or, or, you know, uh, you know, whatever. And, and, uh, listening at work when they should be working, uh, <laughs> or something. And, and, um, and you have the opportunity to say something to them, you know, to try and, to try and help bring them along. Is there anything that you feel like you would, you know, like to add to any of this? I mean, how can they get involved? Maybe they don't have the courage to pick somebody up. Maybe they don't, uh, maybe they don't know what to do. Um, what would you tell them? A lot of times that that's hard for me too. Um, how, how can I help? Where are the gaps? What could I possibly do that's uncomfortable to me or I'm not you and I didn't grow up that way or, but everybody can do something. Yeah. Um, when is the last time you walked past somebody on the street that's there and smiled at them or at least said, hi, yeah. you don't have to give them money. Yeah. You don't have to give them anything. But what about a smile? Just um, being kind, yeah. Just be kind. Yeah, acknowledge um, their humanness, you know, right. and the value just in that, their humanity, instead of just avoiding their gaze. I love that, yeah. Right, and I, I want to be more involved because I haven't been. I've been, you know, I just, I drive by and think, the, the mission's beautiful, great, that's wonderful, I'm so glad. But I have not come forward and to see how I can help. And that's why I'm here today because I want to help. I want to be a part of the bigger plan, the, the solution to what's going on here in our community. Um, yeah. it's, it's big and it's not going to get better. Um, it's going to get worse. Um, so we really need to come forward and do what we can do, each one of us, because we all have something to give, whether it be clothes or money or I, I drop off my fresh farm eggs back there and, and it's, yeah. you know, it helps just whatever we can do to help yeah. and, and not your junk. We want the best things here for yeah. our people. Yeah. We want to be able to take them if they have a job interview and buy them new clothes and not just one outfit, five. Why not buy this person five new outfits? Because they deserve that. Yeah. Have you ever been to a job interview and had to wear something secondhand? No, it, it yeah. doesn't make you feel confident. Your, right. your, your confidence isn't there anyways. And then you're showing up in used clothing or, you know, let's just give them the boost that they need to get up and going. Because I can guarantee you once they've ended up here at the mission, they're ready for change. Yeah. Yeah. They are ready for change. Yeah. And so it's taking us 
to come together and love on them and give them, be able to give them needs, not just $5 here and there. That's not helping anybody. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that, what you just said is so perfect because we noticed as a mission when we were back at the old 8th and E building, you mm -hmm. know, the old yellow submarine there, that's uh, not even there anymore. But um, That's where my but, dad was. Yeah, yeah. I, well, and that's where I met the man who, killed your father mm -hmm. and and you know I, I knew that he had killed someone I didn't know you or him then you know and, and I stuff. so so um, but uh, yeah you know um, and it seemed to me like when we were there and we looked really destitute um, people were more apt to get engaged I think one of our one of our problems we really felt like you know we wanted to give them the best we wanted to really make the the mission in Grants Pass to just be something that was so far and above what we had done in the past we wanted it to be just the absolute best that we could offer and the unfortunate thing about that is you know, people drive by and see our big blue building and they go, ah, oh, they got it all taken care of. Look at that. Right. You know, if they even recognize it's a mission, most people think it's a retirement home or something uh -huh. like that, you know. And, and so they come by and they see it and they go, yeah, um, you know, they got it, they got it together. And, and maybe they've got, um, you know, an 18 pack of eggs from their chickens in their car and they're thinking, what do I have? What's my little gift? compared to that great big building and what, what, what is that in the face of all of that? And, um, and let me say from a person who works here and on that side of that, the person who's often been receiving that is that sometimes it's, it's we had just written eggs on the prayer list a half an hour before because the guys were getting tired of oatmeal. Right. Now, they had oatmeal, you know, or whatever. They've been eating oatmeal every morning for breakfast or whatever. And they say, hey, we need to buy some eggs. And I said, you know what? I don't have eggs. But what you ought to do is put it on the prayer list and let's ask the Lord for it. And because I he's going to tell Denise to bring them. He will. He will. Mm -hmm. and, and, and what's awesome is I always put, I always put my, my more staunch atheists in my kitchen because this is one of the places that I see... God's hand answer prayers like that. And, and you know, you might be just a somebody bringing a, a bag of tomatoes or, a, or, a, or a, a, some eggs or a whatever it is that you're bringing up to the back door and think, I don't have much, and not even realize that what you have isn't just eggs. It's an answer to prayer that that these people are having a hard time believing that God answers prayers, that right. there is a God and that he answers prayers. And you showing up with exactly what they prayed for flies right in the face of the narrative that they've been told that God doesn't care about them, that he doesn't exist and he doesn't care about them even if he did exist. And and here they prayed for it and here it is right there in their lap. And, and you're smiling at them and kind to them and generous to them. And, and you didn't just give them eggs, you gave them the best kind of eggs they can get. I mean, and that's the kind of stuff that I see, you know, we, we pray for coffee and then a Dutch Brothers van pulls up and donates 250 pounds of coffee to us or wow. something, you know, and it's like, and I tell them, that's not just a sign that, that 
God is providing for your needs, that's a sign that God really likes you. Because we don't need coffee. And if we did, you know, I mean, some of us will go, hold on, I need coffee. But he could have gave you really trashy coffee. He didn't. He gave you the our community's very best and and something that you're going to enjoy and everything. That tells me God likes you. That means that he cares about you and that he really, that he's kind and generous and all that. And he wants us to have the desires of our hearts. Right. I mean, that's his desire. We're his children and every single one of us are, regardless of your profession, regardless of where you're sleeping at night. We're all equally valuable to him. And for me to be his daughter and to go out and bless his other daughter that maybe not have maybe she doesn't have as much as me but for me to love on her because we're sisters in christ and we're equal in his eyes and she's no better than me is such a blessing it's such a blessing and we need to love these people back into reality i mean they're so they're so loved. They're so valuable. Well, for me, that's the that's the biggest thing that I see is that the breakdown of the the reason that I see addictions. I'm convinced, and I've been I've been at the mission now for uh, ten years, and and my conviction is is that the guy who drinks drinks because he doesn't have good relationships and he's not good at relationship skills and he doesn't understand and and he's hurting inside so bad that he's just doing anything to just numb the pain he's doing anything just to just to stop that the agony that's going on inside and the drink for that moment takes care of that or the drug or whatever it is that's the thing but that so that the that the addiction is really the symptom, not the problem. Right. The problem is, is is that he doesn't he doesn't feel he or she doesn't feel loved and or doesn't know how to love somebody appropriately, doesn't know how to work these relationships well. And 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 when our relationships are broken, that's what hurts us, man. I mean, smash my hand any day of the week, and that's going to hurt. But have somebody that that I need to love me, like my wife or my children or somebody you know important in my family, have them tell me they don't, nothing hurts worse than that. You can take my hand off, and it doesn't hurt worse than, than that kind of pain. It's and that kind of pain is the stuff that... One of the things that we do here at the mission is we focus on that relational thing. We work, we focus on let's build the relationship skills that you need, and start working on making right those mending those fences and making right those things that have been made wrong in your life. And and then when you leave, you have an opportunity to walk out not needing the thing that you needed before, you know that you used before to cope with that pain. Because you, because you're not in pain anymore. Because the relationship's restored and reestablished, and everything. So, you've said so many powerful things, and I would just again echo everything. Say yes and amen to all of it. Um, and Denise, I just cannot tell you how much I appreciate you taking the time you, to Brian. come in and and do this. Now, you are you have a? I'm going to give you an opportunity for just a brief business plug. Because you you have uh, you, you're in real estate. Yes. 
you and your husband have a fantastic real estate business. Is that right? You want to tell people about that real quick? The Lord blessed us in that, Brian. Yeah. I can't take the credit for that. So that's all his doing. Sure. And yes, we sell real estate. Um, yeah. We do well at it. And that is our business. So um, the name of your real estate company is? Lord at Ranch and Home Real Estate. Fantastic. Yes. Okay. How would somebody find your business in Grants Pass if they're not from Grants Pass? If they're listening, they go, man, I want to look these, these folks up. Well, we're right off the I-5. So if you just were getting right off I-5 and follow the road right into town, um, we're at 544 Northeast E Street. Fantastic. Right Do you guys have a website or anything? Lordichland.com. Yes. All right. And um, and that's fantastic. I got to tell you, I just, I love what you do. I love that you took the time to come in and talk to us. And maybe, maybe if, you know, if the urge comes up, you, you start thinking, you go, you know, there's something I really wanted to add or something I'd else, I'd, another part of the story I'd like to tell or something like that. Would you be willing to come back and do it again? I would love to. Awesome. Thank awesome. you. Thank you for taking the time to come in and see us and, and do this. And uh, I'm just excited to get in front of people. I, I know it's a story that is going to move some, some hearts. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, Brian. And there you have it. Thank you again for listening to another podcast of the Gospel Rescue Mission. If you were moved by this message, if this message inspired you, please share this message with a friend. Please um, you know, tell people that you know about what we do here at the, at the mission and maybe about Denise's story because this was a really great, great story. Um, our, our web address is grantspassmission.org. You can find us on Facebook. Of course, we are at 540 Southwest Foundry Street here in Grants Pass, Oregon. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you again for listening and have a great day.